0: I'm John Beetham, your host at What Has My Attention. So if you've been with me recently, you know I've developed a curiosity and a work ethic for writing. Well, today, I get to have Chris Sheridan on the show. And Chris is a writer, a storyteller, and an executive coach. So I was absolutely thrilled to have him on the show. I also consider him a really good friend. If you'd like, come by whathasmyattention.com and lay down a voice message on that little blue button on the bottom right of your screen. And of course... You can always follow us anywhere you get your audio. Chris, welcome to the show. Thank you. It's great to be here. It's a pleasure. It's great to have you. So today's yeah, today's like April 30th, 2021. And uh, anyway, Chris and I met at uh, in Mary Kravitz, uh, I think, I don't remember the name of her uh, workshop. It was, uh, I think it was more leads, less marketing, something like that, yeah. which was really, really, really good for me. Yeah, yeah, And then you and I had a great conversation about, you know, you teaching me how to use LinkedIn, yeah. which was really awesome. Yeah. And then you reached out to me, I don't know, a month or so ago. And we wanted to get you on this podcast to talk about storytelling. A passion
1: of mine.
0: Well, it's a passion of mine, too, because I I don't know if you can tell the book over there, but that's Donald Miller's Building a Story Brand. And I just absolutely love stories. And, you know, like, I don't know, two months ago, I wasn't a writer. And now I am because I took I jumped into a writing workshop with a guy named Kent Sanders at daily writer. After listening to a podcast that he would do Monday through Friday, two or three minutes of just writing tips. And I thought, I can do this. I can do it. Congratulations.
1: It is the hardest part about creating content is just starting. And then once you start, you just, you just, I tell people who are thinking about or wanting to start there's, there's, there's no longer a barrier to entry in terms of technology. Mm. You want to create, start creating. You want to be yeah. a painter, start painting. You want to be a writer, start writing. You want to be, you know, in front of the camera, in front of a microphone, start doing it.
0: Yeah. So uh, where you live, do they, I mean, did they have waves? Could you actually learn to surf?
1: <laughs> they don't. <laughs> so surfing on the Potomac might be a little challenging. But, yeah, uh,
0: but you uh, could do it. <laughs> Maybe get pulled by a by a motorboat or yeah, something. Yeah, there you go. So what's your, what's your history with uh, storytelling? In fact, why don't you, I, I'm just curious. How did you get started storytelling? Was there a big aha? Which wow. is
1: wow. No, I had a wild imagination as a kid, and I wow. always i and was you- i was writing stories from third fourth grade. I remember when I was in fifth grade, I I won a scholarship um, to take a writing course, um, you know, with some some tw- other twelve year olds uh, from from upstate New York, which is where I grew up, and so that's kind of how it started. Um, and where it really got serious is when I became, uh, I was a journalist for 25 years started, um, you know, I realized, um, Early on, when I got to high school, that I was not an athlete, <laughs> um, mm. but I but I loved sport and I loved and I loved to write. So I so I became a both a news and sports writer for the um, high school newspaper. I was the uh, public address announcer for the uh, wrestling team and the, the local hockey team in town. And I, my friends and I did a public access TV show. Um, and that that I was I was one of the lucky ones in the sense that I knew right away what I wanted to do, and so I really kind of and for the next. Had 25 years, I was working as a working journalist. Um, both First, in, um went to both undergrad uh, and got a master's degree in journalism and writing, um, and then went to and worked in local television for about 10 years, and then worked in network television for about 15 years. Um, all behind the scenes, mostly behind the scenes. I started off when I was in college. Um, I was in front of the camera and behind the microphone. Um, and then realized that... Uh, where that power was, uh, was actually behind the scenes in terms of the editorial judgment of what stories you're covering and how you're covering them and what uh, what angle you're approaching them with. And that was, I found that to be much more interesting to me than getting my mug on camera. Um, And so I opted to stay behind the scenes um, and work my way up in doing that. And then, um, and now um, I now uh, have pivoted uh, to a portfolio career where I teach uh, storytelling at Wake Forest University as part of a documentary film program. Uh, And I am also an executive coach um, and and leadership consultant. And a lot of my work is working with executives and brands uh, on telling their story. Um, a lot of times, um, you know, where companies and brands fall down, uh, is that they really can't tell their story in a way that connects with people, Uh, whether Mm. that be someone they're leading, someone they're managing, um, or a brand that, you know, they're trying to get you to buy something. Um, so I work with them a lot on, on their story. And so it's, it's, it's been a part of my life for ever since I can remember.
0: Yeah, that's really great. That's really. I was going to ask you if you if you'd be willing to give us a sample of your sport announcing voice.
1: <laughs> I never. I, well, the, the funny story about that was when I was um, when I was in high school and I was a, the public address announcer for the um, for the wrestling team. Was at the time that my voice was changing. Oh, um, so oh. there was yeah. So okay. there was no. There's nothing more embarrassing than getting behind the microphone and saying now wrestling um, is, and, and you would do it. And I would get mortified and all the moms in the audience would look over at the table with this cute look on their face.
0: Yeah, um, I, I'm sure they, they thought it was very cute. Oh
1: They did, you know, and it was one of those things where it was, you know, and literally in the course of 10 days, people would call my house and I'd pick up the phone, they would say, Joyce, uh, and ten days later, I'd answer the phone. They'd say Jack, and so, which were my parents' names. And so, yeah. So, being a public address announcer where your voice was changing was uh, probably my most humbling moment behind the microphone.
0: Let's talk about the elements of good storytelling. Where do you start with somebody? I mean,
1: boy, um, I, I always I think it starts I think it starts with character. Uh, I think mm-hmm. I think I think it starts. It's it's it starts with what I tell people is it starts with character and connection. And and, and, and the first thing you need to do, especially when, especially when you're trying to give somebody information, is you need to make a connection with them first. Um, you need to ha- you need to find that commonality um, just to get them to let you know open their ears enough to to hear what you're having to say. So when it comes to you know you know working with as I say. Brands and bosses—it's uh, yeah. all about connection. How are you connecting with your team? How are you connecting with your audience? Um, when I'm working with people who are actually telling stories um, and trying to find stories, um, you know, you know, for my creators in the world, I, I I tell them two things. I say one of the first places I always start with is is a world. You know, what's the world you're taking me into? um, because I have found that if you can take me into an interesting world, uh, chances are you're going to find interesting characters in that world. Mm. Um, so I always, I I always start there, um, you know, and, and that's as simple as if, you know, you know, COVID, COVID makes a little different, but if you think about, you know, all the places that in a given week, um, that you go in a normal, in, in the normal course of things. And that could be work. It could be your, you know, your neighborhood, your apartment building, your, your church, your coffee house, all the places that you go, those are all different worlds. Um, mm. and, and there's different people in those worlds and, and everybody has a really interesting story to tell, but it's, it, it needs to, it's gotta have a connection to it. It's, it's, it needs to, um, you really need to find what it is that's common that really, that really connects people.
0: Yeah. When I started this podcast, I decided to name it, what has my attention and the reason, you know, and it's a little bit about podcasting and it's a whole lot about life and what has my attention in life because it's a little bit at my age. I'm not trying to, uh, I don't have the same aspirations that a 30 or 40 year old does. And I, you know, like two years ago, I just woke up one morning and kind of went, Oh my God, my experience, my life, what stories do I have? And yeah. then, you know, like I said, a couple of months ago, it's like, okay, let's write about these yeah. and hopefully share with people so that, uh, you know, like you said, to make a connection. So people know who I am, not who I'm trying to be, but who right. I am.
1: Oh, and authenticity is the, is the, is, is one of the most important aspects of storytelling and character and, 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 and on any level, right? So when I, again, when I'm coaching executives, are you being authentic with the people with your staff and with, with your, with your, with your management team? And mm-hmm. the same thing goes true for, you know, for identifying characters in, in a creative endeavor, they have to be authentic and interesting. Um, mm-hmm. and, 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 that may, cause that allows for the connection, right? And we, we've all met folks who, um, who aren't authentic and real. And, and, and it's very hard to, it's very hard to root for those folks. Um, And it's very, and as a result of which it's very hard to make them, um, you know, the center of your story It's just that, that authenticity of, and the more you can tap into that and the more you can reveal it, um, the more compelling, the the more compelling the content is.
0: Yeah. So yeah, there's, Um, I'm just curious if you work with speakers because I've heard a lot of speakers that spend the first 10 minutes talking about all their credentials and their success and everything, but it's the speakers that get up there, the storytellers that actually say, two years ago, I was living in my back into my car Yeah, And, and people go, oh, and it catches their attention because obviously they've had some success or they wouldn't be there speaking and they have a story to tell.
1: Absolutely. No, absolutely. The, 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 the folks who go out there and try to, um, impress you with, with what they've done to get there or to that is it's, it's not making that connection. It's, they, you know, it's, it's, I always tell people when it comes to when it comes to having a conversation with someone where you're trying to make a case, right? So whether that's, you know, or make a case for why you're up on that stage, make a case for why you should get the job, why you make a case for whatever that is. I always tell people, and we talked about this in Mary's class, actually, um, is I remind them it's not about you. You know, we we, we get so wrapped up in all the things that we want to say. You know, you're in a job, interview you're just dying to tell them all the reasons why that you're the best person for the job. And, you know, you're in front of a group of people, you're, you're so hell bent on them understanding why they chose you to be up there. And it's not about you. It's not about what you have to say. It's about what the audience is open to hearing. It's about what they want. It's about what they need to hear. And if you can tap into that, that's what, that's how you, that's how you make your mark. That's how it is. And, and you do that by being authentic, by, 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 by making that connection point. You mm-hmm. know, if you can't connect with the audience, then you're just talking, yeah. um, you know, but yeah. finding that connection point and, and, and humility is a great way to do it is just by starting off by, you know, with that story mm-hmm. and, and they'll relate to it.
0: Mm-hmm. So you do work with speakers then? I do. Oh, that's good to know. Yeah. You're, you're looking at a prospect. Yeah,
1: happy to Now it's it's um yeah, it's 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 it's, it's a fun uh, it's a fun challenge. And it always starts with kind of. So what do you want to say? You know, what do you want when they when when the audience leaves the room? Uh, what do you want them to what do you want them to know about you? And what do you want them to think about you? Mm-hmm. um and then and then you and then you backtrack from there and and say you know cuz cuz to your point at the beginning it's about authenticity if you're up there you know being you know if you're up there you know talking about something you're passionate about that passion will um will come through uh and, yeah. and it will and it will pull people in it's when people kind of go through the motions or that you know or that you know that Amatron where people just don't pay attention
0: yeah do you think it's also would you agree that You're not going to be able to pull everybody in. Oh, correct. Being authentic, being authentic. Correct. Um, Being unauthentic. If you're like rah, 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 uh, you're going to pull in those kind of people. And but if you're authentic, you're going to pull in people that are most likely going to follow you. Correct.
1: Correct. Yes. The authenticity. Yes. Being authentic and real is you are going to leave some people behind. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would argue that those were people that were going to leave you anyway. They just hadn't found the time. Um, mm-hmm. cause to your point, if you go out and say, you know, and are that rah, rah person, the, that rah, rah, that rah, rah and cheerleading only lasts, can only last for so long. Mm-hmm. Um, and eventually, um, you know, you, you're going to have one of two things. Either people are going to stop following you mm-hmm. or, you're going to have a lot of people following you who you don't like very much, yeah. <laughs> which, yeah. which is not, which, you know, it's, it, I would rather, I would rather be authentic and know that I'm talking with and conversing with, um, what I would call quote unquote, my people, um, mm-hmm. because th- there was something about me, um, that they connected with.
0: Mm-hmm. So where is this uh, where where do you find yourself taking people typically? And what are some of the biggest challenges that most people in writing their story actually face?
1: It starts. I think the biggest challenge people have when um, when writing their story or coming up with their story is is they don't see it. <laughs> um, a lot of what I do when I work with people, whether you know students and, and executives, is is, I, is the first thing we do is first I make them buy a journal, which they hate, um, and I make them write in their journal, which they hate. Can't um, use
0: a can't use a computer.
1: Uh, I prefer not. I tell them not. To, I, I I encourage them not to. Um, every, everyone's different these days. Sure. I mean, you know what I what what I tell people is. Um, do it. It's it, For me, it's more important that you do it um, than so that's you know, the basic thing is start however it works. Uh, we do know from neuroscience that, that if you actually write it out, you are more likely to remember it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's really the habit of getting into. Uh, and why I also like the journal piece of it is because you can throw it in your bag and you can mm-hmm. pull it out. You can pull it out in, in the airport where you to get on a plane. I mean, th- there are moments when you have those moments of inspiration or have those because once the thing about being creative and I'm hoping you're seeing it when you've started your writing is once you start that process. It just comes and it comes and it comes and it comes. And, and it may and it and it'll come at the weirdest time. Like you'll get a creative inspiration. Like I tell my students, you know, I want you to start a creative journal and I want you to write about it because what you'll find is once you start doing it, more thing, more ideas will come and more creative thoughts will come and you just start seeing things that you didn't see before. They were probably always there, you just didn't see them. So a lot of what a lot of what I talk about when it comes to stories, the first thing is just opening your eyes. And for professionals, that means, you know, looking at your past, looking at your skills. So one of the first things I do with executives who are looking for a job is I get them to do an inventory of the skills that they have.
0: Mm. And
1: most folks don't think of it that way. If you ask anyone what they do for a living, like, yeah, I do this, I get up and I do this. And I just, and we don't think about all of the intricate skill sets necessary to do what you do for a living because it's just work. It's just what we do. Yeah. Um, and so really getting people to st- take ownership uh, uh, of their own story and their own experiences um, is, is is one of the hard, is one of the harder things because because we just we just kind of move on.
0: If I may, as I told you, I'm in a writing writing uh, group with Kent Sanders, and uh, so when I got into it, you know, I ran across a co- quote that's sitting right in front of me by Nikki Giovanni. I don't know if you know who she is. The quote is writing is a conversation with reading a dialogue with thinking. Nice. And when I took that, because I've, I'm the kind of person that takes something like that, and then quite frankly, applies it to see how it works. And when I would read that and start writing, I found it to be absolutely true which is very different than me attempting to use like google transcribe or something which i have used before to basically you know talk it out and have it be transcribed and then you have to go through a whole editing process right it's not the same not even close no not even close but writing is a conversation with reading a dialogue with thinking
1: and that's great it is. And, and, and I, again, it's one of those things I encourage people to do and like, what should I write about? It's like, just write whatever. I mean, sometimes I give people homework. It's like, you know, but it's, it's like, just write whatever comes to your mind. And again, once you get in the habit of doing it, you're, you'll just start seeing things. And, 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 you, and you may not know, especially if you're, creat- if you're creative and you're trying to write stuff, so you'll see snippets of things that, that are just interesting. I'm sitting in a coffee shop and I'm, o- I'm overhearing the conversation next to me and you write down a little bit about it. Who knows what you'll do with it? You may never do anything with it. But just the fact that you're starting to see the world around you. And if you're you're a storyteller, there are are stories everywhere. If you just know where to look and the questions to ask, you know, everybody you meet has an interesting story to tell.
0: My favorite storyteller is Seth Godin. Nice. Yeah, I don't know if you know his work or not. I'm not familiar with it now. But he Seth Godin, all you have to do is go to Google and, and type in Seth. He's always yeah. number one. But he's done a blog, short mostly, every day. He has seven 7,000 blogs now. And he's a storyteller. Uh, yeah. So what's your story, Chris? Oh, you already told us, didn't you? <laughs> I already told you, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then what's the process? Do you actually take what they've written and edit it or...?
1: Not usually. Um, for me, a lot of it, a lot of what I'm doing, especially when I'm doing, um, well, what I'm doing with my, when I'm doing with the clients that I'm working with, as, as you know, the executives that I'm working with, most mm-hmm. of my, most of what I'm trying to do is get them comfortable telling their own story. Like if I, if I, so for me, like I, I will. So a lot of what I do is I tell them, like, you know, the journal isn't for me. You're not doing it for me. Um, you're doing it to, to capture your own ideas. And when we start talking about things in their past that mm-hmm. they want to get better talking about, I will help guide them through it. But it's not, for, it's not my story to tell, it's theirs. And so mm-hmm. my job is to just get them comfortable telling their own story. There's nothing, mm-hmm. there's nothing, there's nothing worse or more awkward for someone um, who's, never, who's, who's asked about something, for example, on their resume. And they're like, uh, 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 oh, like, they've yeah. never, like they've never been asked before. So a lot of it is just kind of owning your story. Yeah, this was when I did this, and this is when I did that. So I did, So so with that of it, it's a lot of it. And, and with and with the students, when it comes to the, you know, they're pitching their film ideas, for example, mm-hmm. a lot of it is just, is, is just those open-ended questions. What, what do you find interesting about this? Why is this, you know, thing and you just, you're getting their, their brain to work and you're starting to, you're pushing on them to kind of come up with the, you know, what's the challenge? Who's this, who's the character and what's their challenge and what's this one of the questions I always ask, you know, creatives who are coming up with, um, you know, one of the, uh, the creative types who are trying to come up with their, you know, their film ideas or their book ideas. I always ask the question, I'm like, what's your story from 3000 feet? You know mm. what? Because that's going to dictate a lot of a lot of the decisions that you make, a lot of the decisions that you make, you know, from the actual creating of the content become easier once you know once you think about your story from 3,000 feet so if you think about your podcast what has my attention from the 3,000 foot level and you think about what that means to you you um, mm-hmm. Every other decision after that becomes easier because when you're thinking about someone having, you know, bringing someone on, is this person, does this person fit what I want to talk about? Does this person have my attention? Is this topic interesting to me? If it's not, then you then don't necessarily do it. So a lot of it, you know, a lot of it, when, you know, I've, I've students who are trying to come up with their films, I always ask them, what's the story from 3000 feet? And they might say, you know, it's a, you know, it's a redemption story as a father trying to, you know, make amends with his son after a horrible fight or something like that. Mm-hmm. Well, then once you kind of know that, then a lot of everything, a lot of those other decisions, you know, become easier because you've because you know kind of what your story is about Um you know, and there, you know, you know, boy meets girl redemption race against time. I mean, there are certain story themes, um, that are, that are just kind of universal. And once you, if you can kind of figure out kind of what story you want to tell, um, then then it just makes it easier.
0: Yeah. There's this whole notion that part of the reason Apple is so successful is because they never forgot their why that's along, you know. So there's a there's a story there, and I, I'm, I'm getting a sense that it would be great to work with you to maybe help somebody that started a company to not forget their why, to and also to help them develop their brand. Sure, one
1: of the you know one of the one, one of the exercises that I do um, that I run um, executive teams through, like an ex, a, a leadership team through, mm-hmm. is we have a what I, it's a common purpose exercise, and it's basically use design thinking and you get lots of people writing, lots of scribbles and, you know, post-it notes all over the boards. And, and really yeah. what you're trying to come up with is you're trying to come up with kind of a one sentence. What is our team about? What do we stand for? Um, what is our um, reason for being? And cause, cause what I tell people is once you have that and if you have it and live it, then everything else, be- again, a lot of other decisions become easier. It's like, you know, do we expand? Do we do do we do we lay off? Do we expand? Do we do this? You know, as you're you know, you're you're coming these normal decisions that come um, in running a business. You can hold it up against hold it up against what you who you said you were uh, and say, does this fit with who we said we were and who we wanted to be?
0: Yeah. Well, as you know, in Mary's workshop, um, you know, came up with my elevator speech, you know, sure. we're hired by people that keep putting off starting their podcast because yep. it's complicated and expensive. And what they really want is to start a profitable podcast and get their brand and message out there in a bigger way. Yep. And I get, I get it. And I, that's one of the reason, but recently because of working with somebody really has their act together, I ended up, I've ended up rewriting it and I'll throw it at you and see how it lands with you, which is, uh, we help companies eliminate competition by elevating their brand and message to be heard. I like it. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Cause what you're, what you're, what you're, what you're, what you're, what you're basically saying is, and this is really important in a content space. Mm-hmm. is you are saying we're going to help you cut through the clutter. There's a lot of messaging out there and w- what we do uh is we're going to help you cut through the clutter. We're going to help you elevate your message uh above uh you know the din of chatter out there. Um, and distraction. And that, yeah, and that's a ve- that's a very powerful, you know, that's a very powerful um that's a very attractive. That's a very attractive proposition. If I'm running, if I'm running a company, and, and you're saying, "Hey, I can help you. I, I can help your message cut through the clutter." Um, when you think about, you know, how bombarded we are uh, every day with with information and stories and this and that. If your if if your brand promises is that we can help you cut through that and get your message out there. Um, I think that's a strong, that's a very powerful message.
0: Yeah, I understand there's about 3000 messages that land on our plate every single day.
1: Yeah, would not surprise me.
0: Yeah, and so with the reason I crafted that was with podcasting. It it does require, you know, you to set it cross, you know, set it aside some time whether you're doing dishes, going for a walk, going for a drive to listen to this conversation yeah. that people are listening to right now.
1: Right. And they've made a choice to do that. And so, so what's, what's, what's the, what's the compelling, um, what's the compelling message for them? What are you offering them?
0: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So can you give me a couple or even just one actually, um, case study scenario, you know, a company executive leadership team that may have worked with as an example.
1: So I worked with a, um, I worked with an, uh, yeah, I worked with an advertising agency, uh, down in North Carolina, um, mm-hmm. who, uh, when I worked with their, um, they were obviously they're, they're, an, they're an advertising agency, so they know messaging and no branding and work with their clients all the time. Um, but had not taken that process that they do for so many others. Um, And turned it around to do it for themselves. Um, And so while they had gone through sort of a company wide audit in terms of they'd set up some company values, we value this, we value that, we value this. They had never really thought they had had not done the work yet um, as an executive team. Mm -hmm. um to do that work for themselves and so i worked with one of the leaders and and the teams to again to help them come up with uh to help them come up with kind of their common purpose uh of what which they were going to hold up to uh to their um which they were going to hold up to their um and present to the to the rest of the company it was about 35 person company uh Mm -hmm. and then um about a year or so, a year and a half ago, a year and a half later, they did an internal reorganization and they basically set up a formal next level down, right? So you had your executive team that I had done the work with. And then for the first time, they set the next level down. So that would be like their senior managers. Um, and they and they brought me back in to do the same common purpose exercise for that level, um, which was great. And that, so that was, again, you had, you, you had people who, you know who which you know obviously a little bit younger a little bit earlier in their career uh a little bit you know so they had different ways of kind of looking at things um and so as a result of which the process that the, the the design process was similar but the outcomes were different and and the way they approached it was different and it was it was it was really interesting to for me it was interesting for me to compare and contrast but it was um and, and, you know, and, and again, what it, it it gives you that, you know, what I call sometimes it's that North Star. And, and again, it's this is, a, you know, whenever you, you know, and, and then when you get stuck with these, you know, with, with the harder decisions, you know, with the harder decisions. Are we going to do this as a company? Are we going to do this? You know, how are we going to treat this client? How are we going to treat this employee? How are we going to do all that? You know, have, you know to be able to hold up something that says kind of in simpler, quieter times, we said this about ourselves um, is the decision we're about to make consistent with that. Um, And to just have that kind of as a tool, um, it can be really, it's very helpful. It's, 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 it's a, um, it can be a very, it's it's a very helpful tool. And, and sometimes, you know, you'll find that when people, run into trouble it's it's because they forgot where their you know what their north star was they forgot you know why they started doing it or they forgot. and if you can just reorient them to oh okay um but the time to do it is kind of before you're you're in crisis or in when being it's time right to do it is when you can really spend some time
0: I, I i would imagine it would be also very useful for the executive team after going through the process and then sure. having this next level because it would inform them of that part of the company culture.
1: I, absolutely. Absolutely. And it was, it, it was a very, it was, it was, it was very, um, it was a very eye opening experience for them as well. Um, mm-hmm. you know, both, both in a way of, um, you know, seeing their folks, you know, hearing about their folks in that setting, but also to see that messaging.
0: Mm-hmm. In any media or form of media, do you have a favorite one or two storytellers yourself?
1: You know, I, um, you know, I grow, you know, gr- growing up at the T, you know, I would say, grow, I would say this, I would say growing up in the TV age, um, you know, I grew up, uh, at a time when, you know, my son, su- my Sunday evenings were, uh, you know, football, um, then we had dinner and then we all as a family sat down and watched 60 minutes, um, and that was that was that was kind of my parents sort of required before you can watch the trash that's going to be on afterwards or whatever are <laughs> um, so I, I mean I, you know in terms so I would say in terms of broadcasting I would say 60 minutes still um, yep. the way how, what I marvel about with 60 minutes is how they have managed to broaden the aperture of the stories that they cover the tone of the stories that they cover. And they still keep the storytelling principles of it. They still—it's still the same solid journalism, whether they're whether they're interviewing the president or, or whether they're interviewing Miley Cyrus. It's the same; the DNA is the same. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I so I greatly respect that. Uh, CBS Sunday Morning is one of my favorite shows on television. Um, I think that storytelling again, from a television perspective, is you know nails that morning time slot. Uh, and it's terrific. Um, you know, I, I'm a big NPR guy. Scott Simon, I think, is 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 a brilliant storyteller. If, if you if you listen to Morning Edition on Saturday mornings, at uh, kind of that end of his little first A block, he always does a little essay that he's written, um, and it's just really, really uh, really, really powerful. Um, and you know, those, so those are the, those are the kind of the, you know, the audio, the, 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 the video and audio, the ones that I, that I, that I watched a lot. Um, you know, there's some, there's some, there's some columnists and writers who, are, who I, who I like, um, you know, and then there's some, and then there's podcasts that I listen to. And those are mostly, those are mostly, um, those are mostly kind of, you know, um, segmented in terms of interests, you know, in terms of, right. So I have 10% happier, which is a podcast around, um, you know, meditation and mindfulness. And so, so there, those are more, um, yeah, more utilitarian. Like I use them. I, I listened to those for a ve- I'm trying to get something specific out of them. Whereas the others, I'm just, you know, just basking in the good storytelling.
0: I, I find it's a great way to start the day with yeah. that particular, like a, a podcast like that kind of almost spiritually feed you. Yeah, yeah. It just it's, set, like you said, sets the compass for navigation throughout the rest of the day.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's no, it's of, a, it's very interesting. ten uh, percent happier is one that I do in part because I know Dan Harris is the guy who does it, and he he used to he you and know, I used to work together at ABC, and so to see him kind of go off in this in this nice. new direction has been has been very cool.
0: You know, you know the Sunday night TV shows that nobody talks about that I watched when I was a kid. Was the Wonderful World of Disney?
1: Oh, sure. No, it was it was Mutual of Omaha's Wild Kingdom uh, from six thirty to seven. Then it was <laughs> then it was sixty minutes from seven to eight. Then yeah. it was and it was Wonderful World of Disney. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, those were that was, those were that was my Sunday night. Um, yeah. And, the, the, and, and and you think about though you think about um, the genius of those stories. I mean, so many of those stories yeah. absolutely hold up. The technology, yeah. the, the technology, and watching them might feel a little bit old, like to some folks who are used to the CGI and all of the, the whiz bang. But the, but the story and the characters, um, you know, they're just as great now as the as they as they were before. There's just there was a story, there was a special uh, on TV the other night about the 50th anniversary of Sesame Street, um, and I remember. Yes, that. somebody and, told
0: me about yeah. it. I, and yeah. I
1: watched, it, and I watched it, and I was just like, "Yep, they're still telling great stories."
0: Yeah. Well, if we're talking about favorite stories recently, Queen's Gambit is at the top yeah. of my list. I've seen it twice, Phenomenal. and I'm glad I did. There was so much to see again. Phenomenal. Yeah. Yeah,
1: I thought I thought I found that to be I it, I I it, and I it truly is a um it truly is a it, they've been saying this for a couple of years now, but I think it's absolutely true it's, it's a golden age of t- for television. Um, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, in, I, I would, I would lump streaming into that because sure, that's just a distribution sure. platform. But if you think, you know, all the way back to, you know, if, if the Sopranos was the first one and you kind of go from there, just that high quality Queens gambit was amazing. I, yep. I the, the one I binged lately is, um, Marvelous, Mrs. Maisel, um, oh, yeah. Yeah. on Amazon. Um, you know, I love the I love the characters. The old New York is really interesting to me. You talk about taking me into a world. You know, one that one of the, one of those, you know, one of those thesis questions I ask my students is, "What world are you taking me into?" Um, yeah, you know, it's just it's. But yeah, no, I thought I thought Queen's Gambit was really yeah. was really terrific.
0: The series that uh, I thought started the whole ball of of telling really unique stories is, was actually six feet under on HBO.
1: Yeah. I, I, I ended up not watching that. I, I watched it for four or five. I forget. I forget how many seasons it was on. Yeah. I watched it five. for, I watched it for maybe the first three. And then I realized I came to a very painful, uh, realization Uh-oh. that I didn't, <laughs> I didn't like any of the characters.
0: Like, oh I just yeah.
1: Didn't like, I just, yeah. it, I just didn't they, like them. And so they were also, all just, flawed. Yeah. Like deeply, like, I don't mind, I don't (laughs) mind, I don't mind one or two flawed characters that makes it interesting. But I I really was getting to the point where I was after about the third season, I was just like, okay, why am I watching this? Like, I, I, I'm not, I'm not, I don't, I'm not enjoying this. And so I stopped. As
0: as compared to watching Robert Redford in the natural.
1: (laughs) Well, I, you know, for like, so one of the, one of my favorites, um, you know if you were to say what are your top 3 i would say the wire was probably my favorite i haven't seen um, it oh right. that was on hbo um it's the wire it was about um drugs uh drugs and homicide cops in in, in baltimore five mm-hmm. different seasons five or six different seasons what i loved about it so much is um they they they, they were telling a really compelling story and if you couldn't follow along they didn't care like 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 they weren't they were there was they weren't they weren't patronizing like there there, there were a couple of scenes in that series where there was one scene in particular um that just was a flash like and if you were down reading your paper or looking you wouldn't have seen it but it changed how you viewed one character completely and Mm -hmm. they never went back to it again like to the mm-hmm. point where you're kind of like, ooh, did that really happen? So I thought that was terrific. Breaking Bad I thought was, I thought was really great. That was uh, just really interesting, quirky characters, um, you know, I, which I thought were – and then Justified was one um, that not as many people know, but I thought that was terrific. Um, and that was, again, t- t- just took you into a really, really interesting world, uh, and I thought the characters were fun. But, but if you th- – you know, w- what are the common themes for me? You know, interesting world. They're taking me someplace I've not been before. Good storytellers always do that. Really interesting, compelling characters. To your point, they don't always have to be likable, but there's yeah. but something in there's something in them that you're you're either rooting for or rooting against. But there's some humanity to them. Um, but yeah, there's there's some great stuff out there.
0: Awesome. So I'm, let me ask you this question. I'm sure you've had several of these. But in your life, can you actually name one defining moment where everything changed for you?
1: Um, Yeah, I think that I think the I think the change. Yeah, I can remember it. I I I can remember the day that what that that term that took me off on my storytelling. A career like it was yesterday i was i was in 10th grade um i had written an essay for my english teacher about you know what do you want to be when you grow up um and i and i wrote that i wanted to be a tv anchor man in springfield massachusetts now i have no idea why springfield massachusetts i lived in albany new york i was probably about two hours away but no idea why but i wrote this essay that that's what i wanted to do and and this was this was the mark of a good teacher. This was Mr. Collier, tenth grade English. Hi, Mr. Um, Collier.
0: Hope hope he's still alive and can listen.
1: Exactly. He and he, he was handing back our papers, and he said, to, and he you know called me up after class, and he said, "Is this really what you think you want to do?" I said, "Yeah." And he said, "Well, some he said he's like one of our one of the alumni from the high school um, just started working." Uh, at the TV radio station. This was back in the day when they were allowed to be comp- when they were allowed to be combined. And so he was just like he started working at the TV radio station right down the street from the high school. Um, and I keep in touch with him. Would you like to see if I if you can spend a day with him? So I go, OK, great. So he reached out to the person. The person said, yes, you can come and shadow me for the day. I asked my parents. My parents were, you know, said, sure, you can not go to school that day and you can spend the day um, doing that, and so I went, and it was the first time I'd ever been in an, in, a, in a TV newsroom. And I just thought it was Disneyland. I thought it was like I, I, I liken it to, I liken it to if you if you remember the movie uh, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, when when he's leading him down that hallway and he opens the big door, and all of a sudden there's the there's the factory. That's what it was like for me. I thought it was the coolest place on earth. And there was all these college kids running around, kind of answering phones and ripping scripts and doing all this kind of menial gopher stuff. And i'm like who are they yeah and what what do they do they're like well they're they're like well they're interns uh they're college interns and i said well how do i be an intern and they're like well you need to be 16 years old in new york state to work so you know when you're 16 let me know a month after my 16th birthday got up the typewriter typed a letter saying um i'm 16 now can i come back um and they said sure and so from so that was my beginning of my end of my sophomore year beating my junior year of high school and then so three days a week all during junior high school all my junior year and all my senior year i finished school walked down the street and worked at the tv station oh that's fabulous that That is really really fabulous yeah that was the moment
0: yeah there's there's uh interns are great you know if if you know if they're doing it because they love it because that, that same kind of passion you just expressed yeah. Such an opportunity, right?
1: When's the first time you did your first podcast, or how did you, what was that moment oh, for? Oh, sure.
0: Well, in 2004, I'm sitting probably, well, on my computer, probably using Netscape, and I see this code that kind of looks like the Matrix, but it's not doing this. It's just like, it looks like the Matrix, right? And I saw this little MP3 reference to an mp3 file i tracked it down to dave weiner one of the co-creators of the rss 2 specification that allowed for embedding of a reference to a file in what's called an rss feed i'm sure this is extremely interesting to you (laughs) and I, i will answer the question and uh i just like found a way to play the mp3 and it was dave weiner having breakfast with a guy in florida And you can hear him say, do you mind if I record this? It's, it's, you know, for a project I'm working on a guy says, no, that's fine. So I'm like a bug on a wall listening to this fabulous conversation. And I went, what is this? That was 2004. Uh, Before it was called podcasting back then it was called audio blogging. Yep. And then, so I just started studying because I was a outside it guy for Coca-Cola and I had some chops in terms of research and uh, just, filled myself up with it all. And then in 2005, early, I was at a party and I met, I was, uh, met this guy named Jeffrey Milburn. And he was kind of a strange guy, but um, about the same age as myself. And he started telling me this story about this art form he had called OmniArt. And he told me this story about he, years before, being in New York City at a new year's Eve party and everybody's doing sex, drugs, and rock and roll except for Jeffrey and this other guy who he was sitting on a couch with who happened to be Andy Warhol. So Jeffrey and Andy became really good friends and they started the, the, the story is, you know, they started sending each other art gifts and stuff like that. And then Andy went into some sort of exploratory surgery in the hospital and died. Oh, and Jeffrey said that Andy kind of thought that maybe pop or that the omni art was possibly the next big thing in art. So that left Jeffrey just stranded. So he took it to Madonna, he took it to staying and a bunch of people like that. And nobody really understood or wanted to do anything with it. And anyway, I just knew at that moment that I had to tell that story or wow. let that story be yeah. told. So we started together in early 2005. The first episode got released in August um, called the Omni Art Salon. and And then a couple of years went by. I was producing it. He'd show up to my studio and tell an aspect of the story. And anyway, so I said, Jeffrey, I can't do this anymore, but I'll teach you how to podcast. So I taught him how to podcast, and he's still doing it. Nice. So he's had like a quarter of a million downloads, you know, or probably half a million at this point. And uh, he's still doing it. Uh, he hasn't really figured out a way to monetize it too bad because it's some pretty darn good content. Um, but that's how I got started. And then somebody called me one day and said, there's the Yapaya Zen Center. Do you know about that? No, well, they do a Dharma podcast or they do a Dharma session on Wednesday nights. So I think you ought to talk to Roshi Joan Halifax. So I went there and talked to her and she says, yeah, we record them. So they started passing off the Wednesday night recordings to me and I created Yupaya's uh uh Dharma podcast nice. which they loved and they started syndicating it into prisons. Oh wow. You know. Yeah, yeah. So it was a big deal. So that project that's still going on. And uh and then but the one that I just absolutely loved is one day I got a phone call from a friend of mine that said, do you know Jim Turr? And I go, no, who's that? And they said, well, he's a radio personality. He's a comedian and I think you ought to have him on a podcast. I said, okay. So Monday morning, I call Jim and tell him that story, a friend of yours suggested. And he said, okay, I'll be there. What, when when are you available? And I said, well, Wednesday at noon would be great. And he said, okay. So Wednesday morning at nine o'clock, somewhere around there, I get a phone call and it kind of goes like this. And I've told this story before on other podcasts, but is this Mr. B? And I went, uh, it's John. And he said, well, this is Buddy. And my buddy Jim Tur said I should give you a call and show up at your studio at 12 noon. So, yeah, sure, show up, you know? So, anyway, Jim Tur shows up in character as Buddy, who's this old <laughs> redneck. And he shows up kind of in a cowboy outfit and a guitar that is badly mistuned. And that started the podcast we did for 36 episodes called Buddy's Old Fashioned Podcast.
1: Wow. Nice.
0: Yeah. And I got to tell you, I have never ever since had so much fun and, uh, it was just so much fun and jim mentored me he showed me how to use and i had bought really good equipment npr style mics and all that or quality mics and he showed me how to use the mic and he showed me about pop filters and he mentored me you know and he's he's still in santa fe doing his thing but that's really how i got started and i just thought oh my god podcasting it's like you know if you do a 30 minute show on a radio station on Saturday mornings. I know this for a fact, cause I have a client that wants to make the anyway, it's costing them 20,000 a year. Yeah. And, uh, with podcasting, you can do it for as low as a couple hundred dollars a year, yeah. depending on how much work you're willing to do. And I just thought this is going to allow anybody with something or nothing to say to be heard. It just com- leveled the playing field completely.
1: Oh, it's a, it's amazing what digital technology has done to, in terms of the barrier to entry to create content, and that's why I tell people: the, there's no excuse for not for not doing it, whether that's yeah. writing or podcasting or creating videos. It's just, and if you have a passion for something, just do it because the, the, the you know, the, the, it's the it takes time and effort to to develop your voice, right? So, you, so you it have does. a sense of do you have a sense of kind of what you're interested in, what you want to say, and and then it goes back to what we said we were talking about earlier that it's it ideally it's going to be a message that connects with your audience and so mm-hmm. it takes a while to to play with that to get to to get to to get it so that you're doing it in a way that's authentic to you and is a way that's connecting with the audience so that in terms that's in terms of tone that's in terms of how long it is that's in terms of so and so it and it takes a while to do it so just so the more the sooner you can get out there and just start Playing around, um, and don't forget the fun aspect. I love, how, I love how you, you, you got the almost giggle in your voice when you're talking about how fun that the Cowboy Podcast is. Fun in story um, is a big, is a is a key ingredient. You know, this you can, is. If, I, I'll if tell if you, people Chris. People can this have fun with that. If, if people can ha- end the experience and go, "Well, that was fun," um, th- that's that's
0: a big win. This is always fun. Every podcast I ever do is fun. Yeah. And then it's, you know, it's like I have the editors now, but this one I edit myself because I really do enjoy the editing process and I'm good at it. So I get to hear it again.
1: Yeah.
0: You know, I get to hear it again and it just like, you know, I can't wait to edit this one because I will get you in terms of what you shared with everybody here again. Yeah. And then once I publish it and release it and it's going to go out on video and audio separately, then I'll watch them again and I'll listen to them again. I might be like doing dishes or having breakfast, but I do it partially because I want to make sure I maintain a high level quality, but it's also the content. I just, you cannot get great content anywhere else like you can from podcasting.
1: Yeah. And it, what I love about, you know, it's, and it's, the, it's the same, it's, it's, it's the same idea is, you know, people ask me, you know, have asked me what's my favorite medium um, mm-hmm. that I worked in or that I've worked with. And I, and I tell them radio. Um, yeah. I, I think that, I think it is by far the most intimate medium. Um, it is, it, it is um, it, it's just because the, te- the technology, the technology doesn't get in the way and, and, and you know, and, and Especially if you're dealing with folks who are not necessarily used to telling their story, mm-hmm. there's something really intimidating about it, sticking a camera in somebody's face. Whereas yep. if you're just kind of talking to them, the, you know, the, the object of the exercise is really, as, as, as an interviewer, is really to try to get your, your subject to forget that they're being recorded. Mm-hmm. Um, and and it's a lot easier to do that when you're just talking to them, you know, on a microphone, you know, I, I, I say, I find my radio to be, I, I, I hosted a radio show for, for, for a number of years in college and, um, and in, in grad school. And I just, I, 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 that was my favorite. I just had a blast because I could really yeah. just focus on who I was talking to. I didn't have to fo- worry about the, the lighting and the white and the framing and all that. Um, and it's just, it's really, it, because your, your mind and your brain has to use a little bit of imagination
0: Um, Exactly. It's like reading a book.
1: Yeah, reading a
0: book versus watching a movie. You know, with a book, you have the creative process of filling in the blanks. Yeah.
1: No, I, I I am, you know, I, I am a big baseball fan. Baseball on the radio is my favorite way to consume it. I just the ambiance of the ballpark, you know, the announcer, the whole thing. I think it's just such a, there's such a, it's just such a really intimate experience that that's 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 very cool. Yeah, it's really great.
0: Well, let's wind it up. Anything you want to include? No,
1: I, 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 again, I, I think, um, I think story can change the world. Um, and and I, and I, and I truly do believe that everybody has one. Um, and I just encourage people to, you know, to find and live theirs, um, whatever that is and whatever you, whatever you take that to mean, um, because, um, yeah, everyone has a story and take time to take, take, take time to hear others
0: regarding getting in contact with you uh, if you're watching the video you'll see sspconsulting.net yep. is that the only and best way to get in touch with you or
1: that's probably the best way to get in, to- in touch with me if you um, if you go there there's a there's a contact form mm-hmm. um, that that you can reach out to which is probably the the best way to get a hold of me it's got a phone number it's got some contact it's got a contact fill form um, and just mention the podcast um um in it so so I know so I know where the consultation comes from as, as opposed yeah. to some, as opposed to some of the spam that I get that would yeah, be yeah great.
0: yeah do you have anything special coming up or you're pretty much working one-on one right I, mean, I do
1: most I do mostly I do mostly I do I do one on one and I do um and I do some I do some co- companies and I, and of course I do some I, I work with them. I work with so, some uh, some nonprofits who I do or who I do messaging work. Uh, I so I was going to ask you
0: earlier and I didn't. So I'll ask it now: yep. Is who do you consider to be an ideal client?
1: You know, I, I work mostly with um, uh, executives in transition, um, and you can define transition kind of however you want. I've got I have people who are helping. You know, I'm helping find new jobs. I have people who I'm helping kind of transition from one place to another. And it's from, so for me, it's, it's executive executive and teams in transition. Um, and, and again, I, where I focus on a lot of it is I, is I start with their own story. Um, and we talk a lot about their own story and I try and and part of what I, I hope I equip them with is just a better ability just to tell their own story, so they're showing up in authentic ways, and they're communicating um, in, in ways that can connect with their audience. However, you define their audience, um, and and that's that's mostly who I that's mostly who I work with.
0: It seems to me it makes sense to actually bring somebody like you in earlier rather than later, right?
1: yeah it, it and it's it's you know it's it, it's it's understanding that i i i one I, I was interviewing for, uh for a potential position one time and and they were talking about me me coming in to help it help a troubled executive kind of kind of right the ship um and we had a long thoughtful conversation about um whether you're better off spending time on h- helping a troubled executive who has repeatedly been in trouble. Um, are you better off, you know, spending, giving, giving, giving executive coaching to give him one last shot, or are you better off spending that executive coaching and helping the new person, uh, land in the most effective and strong way? Um, and I, and I made the argument the other, for, for the second, um, you know, we think a lot about, you know, we spent a lot of, t- companies spent a lot of time and energy trying to, um, reform uh you know executives who you know who aren't um managing in, in ways that are consistent with how we expect people to manage these days uh mm-hmm. and, and in my opinion spend not enough time um helping new executives uh land in a way that is can be, where they can be most impactful um and help them tell their story from the beginning so
0: yeah awesome yep. get a hold of chris at sspconsulting.net and Chris, thanks for being here. It was really, really a treat. I'm
1: thanks, John. thanks, John. I enjoyed the conversation. I look forward Me to too. more.
0: <laughs> Produced by Imagine Podcasting, we help businesses eliminate competition by elevating their brand and message to be heard. Visit imaginepodcasting.com for more information.